0: Pastor Keith Crosby of Hillside Church.
1: Five times he suffered 40 lashes, less one. Three times beaten with rods. He was once stoned. Three times shipwrecked. Night and day adrift on the sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, robbers, his own people, the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. It makes us realize how little Christ has asked of us
0: Every chain of the past, you've
1: broken into all the fear of the lies. We're singing the truth that nothing is impossible with you. Oh,
0: nothing is impossible. If we take our eyes off the Lord, even for just a moment, Life can roll in and easily overwhelm us, particularly in these days in which we now live. Well, hello and welcome to today's edition of the Grace to Live radio broadcast with Keith Crosby, Senior Pastor at Hillside Church in San Jose, California. We are delighted that you've chosen to spend time with us today on the broadcast. And as always, we would encourage you to follow along with us in your Bibles if you can. On today's program... We're continuing with our series in the Pastoral Epistles as Pastor Keith continues to walk us through the book of 2 Timothy. So if you have your Bibles, please turn with us today to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse eight, as we hear a message that Pastor Keith has entitled, The Facts of Life for Christians. Now here's Pastor Keith with today's study.
1: There was no call to sedition or violence only repentance and faith and contrition, that salvation could be yours if you would turn from your old way to Christ in faith and repentance, putting your trust in him and in no one else. And that is what got Paul imprisoned. And so Paul is telling Timothy, look, I'm in prison, but remember Jesus and it's for him that I am bound in these chains as a criminal. Remember Jesus, who he is, what he's done, risen from the dead. Remember Jesus, why he came, why you suffer, Timothy. Timothy, this is the cure for what ails you and what frightens you right now. This is Paul's prescription. Remember Jesus and why Paul is suffering and why you will suffer. And cling to that fact. Timothy is not to be put off or ashamed of Paul's chains like those who abandoned Paul. Paul says to Timothy, take stock. Do not be ashamed. Do not be afraid. That's why you read elsewhere in Romans 1, 16 and 17, Paul talks about this in a different sense. He says, for I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for salvation. To everyone who believes... To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. There's a lot going on here and I could preach a sermon on that passage. But for now, let's stick with the text we began with. But what you have here is the cause and the cure of all that ails you. Of all that plagues you in this life. Your saving faith, your faith in Christ. You cannot be ashamed of who you are, of who you serve. You can expect to be persecuted for it. But it is also the cause of your persecution and the means of your survival. And you cannot lose sight of that fact. That is a fact of life. That is a reality. It's always been that way. The righteous will survive here and now and eternally because of their faith in Jesus risen from the dead, from the line of David, for which Paul and others were in chains, and some are in chains today. You know, it's interesting when uh, God called Nebuchadnezzar to punish Israel, you have a passage in Habakkuk chapter 2, and Habakkuk can't believe that God is letting Nebuchadnezzar come to punish Israel. He's like, I can't believe you're going to do this. He goes, that's okay. He's going to punish all the people who have denied me. And I'm going to punish him. And he goes. But remember this. The righteous one. Will live by his faith. That's what Paul is referring to in Romans 1.16. We will survive. Because of our connection to Christ. We will survive in the here and now. God will see us through the, the, the trial. And we will survive eternally. And we must never forget that fact. Our faith. Our faith in the gospel of Jesus Christ separates us out as the people of God from all the world. It separates the professing Christian from the real Christian. It separates the sheep from the goats. It separates the the wheat from the tares. And so we take stock in that. Often as targets of persecution. But friends, if we preach the true gospel, if we live by faith... We will be persecuted. We will suffer hardship for the gospel. It's a fact. And so remember Jesus, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains, is a criminal. Think on what Paul says. Because, you know, in this part of the world, we live in the freest, safest country in the world. All its warts and scars aside. And for 250 years, unlike the rest of the world, Christians haven't been persecuted here. This is the anomaly. This country is the exception as opposed to the rule. But now it's coming. Our own children are being programmed to do that. And so, remember Jesus, risen from the dead. The offspring of David as preached in my gospel for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. That's what Paul says to Timothy. That's what he says to you and I here through the pages of Scripture. Fact number two. Fact number two. Remember that though our freedom and freedoms may be restricted, the Word of God cannot be restricted. Though our freedom and freedoms may be restricted, God's Word, God's power, cannot be restricted. Paul was imprisoned, not the gospel. Not the gospel. We sit here today because the gospel could not be imprisoned. After 2,000 years of attempts to imprison it. The gospel flourishes in persecution. And so Paul says to Timothy, then and there, and us, you and I, here and now, to all of us. And and the the tail end of verse 9. But the word of God is not bound. Yes, I am bound in chains. But the word of God is not bound. James Coates is bound, but the word of God is not bound. John Knox was made into a galley slave, hoping to work him to the death, something like they did in concentration camps in the early twentieth century, and he got loose, and and the world was never the same, because the word of God is not bound. God's word, his message cannot be bound. Its spread is inevitable. It is irresistible. Its spread is unstoppable like a contagion against which there is no vaccine. Understand the facts as they are. God's gospel, our message cannot be snuffed out or restricted. They can lock one of us up. They can lock all of us up. But there will always be somebody left behind to carry, to pass the baton. To disciple others. I want you to think and notice and remember. That even then. As you look at this text. Paul is in prison. He is in chains. And he's preaching to Timothy. And you know what? He's preaching to you by extension. Through the scriptures that have been preserved. And transmitted to us. And translated into our language and he preaches to us now. But the word of God is not bound. Hard times are coming. There's no question about it. Your faith, if you don't deny Christ, will be costly. If you play ball, maybe not. But then was it a saving faith at all? Charles Wesley wrote this and I love this. I love his hymns and I love what he says here. He says that God buries his workers, but their work continues. That's something to think about. We haven't had to face anything quite like that yet. God will not let, God will not allow his gospel to be bound because it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. No matter who they are, to the Jew first and to the Greek, to the Jew and to the Gentile, it's entirely different. Than the gospel of critical race theory, which is driving this transformation in our culture right now. And whatever you suffer on his behalf or on behalf of others is not in vain because he will not fail you. His word is not bound, his message is boundless. His word will not return void. Preach it, share it, suffer for it with good reason. Because it is the true unstoppable force against which there is no immovable object. Ask Rome. Ask the socialists in Russia, China, North Korea. Ask the Nazis, the national socialists in Germany. Consult the pages of history. No one's ever stopped it. And the 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 hotter the persecution, the more rapid the spread. Let's ask the early disciples in the first hundred years of the church. I have two passages for us today that sort of illustrate that point. One is in Acts chapter 6 verse 7. This is after Pentecost and everything's going great in the early church. And what happened? Acts 6, 7. And the word of God continued to increase. And the number of the disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests, those who had shouted, crucify him, also believed. Also became obedient to the faith. The early times were the good times. But things changed quickly. By Acts 12, we read this. Acts 12, 1 and 2 and verse 24. And at that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. But then you go on a few Paragraphs down, but the Word of God increased and multiplied. It increased and multiplied because it cannot be bound. It is the true unstoppable force in this world, in this universe, in good times or tough times. You don't think so? Ask the early church. Think of all they endured. And one day we'll be able to ask the state of California. And the Teachers Association and the State Board of Education. So how did that work for you? Displacing this oppressive white man's God. How did that go? Because the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church. No weapon formed by, by the hand of man will prevail. God's word cannot be bound. It cannot be stopped. It's a fact of life. Which is why we have these spiritual self-disciplines we talked about last week. Which is why we do what we do. Why we discipline our minds and our hearts and our lives to serve Him. Think about this and the Lord will grant you understanding. I mean, think about it. What better cause to live for, to suffer for, or even to die for? Because the Word of God cannot be bound. So, just to review, it's a fact of the Christian life. If you're faithful... You're going to be persecuted. And it's also a fact that God's word, your message, cannot be bound. Which brings us to fact number three. We risk all for the sake of others and their salvation. You see, we live in a society where it's all about us. It's all about who's offended us. It's all about who's hurt our feelings. Who's made us feel insecure. We're self-focused, self-absorbed, narcissistic. But that's not what Christianity is about. We risk all for the sake of others. Where do we see that? Verse 10. Look what Paul says. Look what he says to Timothy then and there and you and I here and now. Therefore, because of all this, because the word of God cannot be bound because of Jesus risen from the dead, the heir of David, the offspring of David, for which I am bound in chains as a criminal, therefore I endure everything, all of this for the sake of the elect That they may also obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. There's that word endure again and we. You just get this sense. Therefore I endure everything. He's talking to Timothy. Timothy, I endure this. You endure this. We endure this. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. Here Paul articulates the aim of his suffering and ours. It is the good of others. That's why we talk about the glory of God and the good of others. You have it right here in the verse. It's not about our careers. It's not about our comfort. It's not about anything temporal. It's about the eternal. Unfortunately, mindsets have changed. But Christ and his gospel are unchanging. God is unchanging. He is eternal. He is Invincible. We are his servants. Our reason for being is the salvation of souls. It's our, and I'm probably going to butcher this, raison d'etre, our reason for being. You see, the church today is involved in all kinds of things social justice, whatever that means, all kinds of stuff. Here it is. Therefore, I, we, you, Me endure everything for the sake of the elect, for the sake of those who would be saved. We go trolling and God puts them on the hook. We get to be part of his kingdom work. We cannot fail because of who he is and how he is. We are his servants following in his steps as fishers of men and women. No one likes to suffer and yet there can be joy in the suffering if you suffer for the right reasons. What did it say about Jesus? Who for the joy set before him endured the cross. Despising its shame. And I get it. No one likes to suffer. Which brings us back to Paul and us. A lot of times we say, well Paul was a superman. I'm not like Paul. I can't identify with Paul. You know what? Paul was flesh and bone just like we are. He was scared. You know somebody once said that, that courage cannot exist in the absence of fear you have to be afraid of something in order to order to act courageously and in acts 18:9 through 11 we read this here's paul and he's afraid and it says this in verse 9 and the lord said to paul one night in a vision Do not be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many, many elect in this city who are my people. Verse 11, and he stayed for a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Do you think he was afraid? I know he was afraid. You wouldn't have this passage in here, do not be afraid, calm down, Paul. Be brave, endure, persevere. Trust me. Remember Jesus, risen from the dead, offspring of David. Paul suffered more than most of us ever, ever will. Five times, he suffered 40 lashes, less one. Three times, beaten with rods. He was once stoned, three times, shipwrecked. Night and day, adrift on the sea, on frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, robbers, his own people, the Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the wilderness, in danger at sea, in danger from false brothers. It makes us realize how little Christ has asked of us in this age. Again, we live in a country that is the 250-year exception to the rule. And now that 250 years appears to have expired, more or less. And so maybe we're going to suffer. You know, Paul suffered in toil and in hardship, many sleepless nights and hunger and thirst without food and cold and exposure. And all that on top of him was the weight and the anxiety for all the churches that he planted. Our suffering is going to be very small in comparison. And he did all this. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory like Paul you and I we will endure for the sake of others for the sake of those who would be saved we must be faithful we can be faithful that is a fact of life which brings us to our fourth fact and it's this Remember, remember who you serve. Remember we do all of this in the service of a sovereign God. We do all of this in the service of a sovereign God. You heard let me just let me just read verses ten through thirteen for you. And I want you to listen to this. I want you to reflect on this. Therefore I endure everything for the sake of the elect. That they also may obtain salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy because if we died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithful, a faithless, he remains faithful for because he cannot deny himself so what does that mean it means abide in Christ keep his word and let him do the heavy lifting our our mission our ministry our bodies may fail we may be imprisoned we may be bound but his word and his work will not be bound he will do the heavy lifting and you will be blessed you know, we've talked about this before when we studied the book of Romans and other passages in Scripture. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Nothing created, nothing visible or invisible, not height or depth. No one and nothing can do that. In John 10, nothing can rip you out of my hands. Nothing can, the Father is greater than I and nothing can rip you out of His hand. God is sovereign. And part of that sovereignty is his omnipotence. There's nothing, nothing, no force, no weapon formed by the hand of man, nothing demonic that is more powerful than he is. He knows all things past, present, and future exhaustively. And he doesn't change. He doesn't tire. He doesn't sleep or slumber. He never takes his eyes off of his people. And he is in control of everything. Thing that happens the very hairs on your head are numbered a sparrow does not fall from a tree apart from your father in heaven and That's why it says this saying is trustworthy. You can take this to the bank And we have this little hymn that scholars think that Paul wrote If we died with him, we will also live with him if we endure We will also reign with him if we deny him he will also, he will also deny us if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. He is as he is. In his sovereignty, in his holiness, in his purity, in his perfection, in his grace, in his wrath, in his power, in his omniscience. This this speaks to the impossibility of divine failure. Because God is sovereign. He cannot and will not fail to provide. That is a fact of life. That is a fact of the Christian life. You will find certainty of his, in his sovereignty and provision. We see this throughout the Bible. Let me just isolate a couple of passages for you. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. In Matthew sixteen eighteen. we read this. I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will. Gates of hell shall not.
0: Pastor Keith Crosby with today's Grace to Live radio broadcast. We are so grateful that you've chosen to spend this time with us today here on the program. And if you have questions about today's show or if you'd like to hear more messages from Pastor Keith, then I would encourage you to visit our website, hillsidechurch.org. There you can listen to past sermons and other content from Pastor Keith just by clicking the Sermon Archive tab. And you can also find links to Pastor Keith's blog, as well as the Out of My Mind podcast. The website is also a great place to connect with us here at Hillside. You can find information on our service times, ministry opportunities, and of course you can browse our calendar of upcoming events. Again, all this and much, much more can be found by visiting our website, hillsidechurch.org. Well, we hope that you'll join us again next time on Grace to Live. But until then, I'm your host, Kevin Reeves, and on behalf of Pastor Keith and everyone here at Hillside Church, it is our prayer that the Lord will richly bless you, and thanks for listening.